The Breakfast Show with Blake and Lawson. Mm-hmm. We're live. Mm-hmm. And this is the quiz. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a what? Now, this is a Bible question. So this is a Bible quote. Do you know the answer? Starting a quarrel is like breaching a what? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, 101 Secrets to a Healthy Life by Jorge Gonzalez is one of the prizes you can win. The other prize that you can win, Revive Cafe Cookbook 7. We'll give both of these to you absolutely for free. We'll just just give them to you. You just have to win the draw. And to win the draw, you just have to answer these questions correctly. Is it a whale? What? Nope. Okay. Starting a quarrel <laughs> is like breaching a whale. You know, like a whale breaching? No? Okay. Like No, but you're thinking like a breaching whale. Yeah. But this is like breaching a whale. So it's like you're talking about like, like beating a-, a whale up, <laughs> like, 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 like stabbing the thing. You don't want to stab a whale. We don't. You know, they, they, they made that illegal. Well, hold on. Here's the thing, too. Don't <laughs> underestimate a whale. Those orcas, when they come Did in they hot and heavy, they will mess you up. You want to be afraid of sharks? Uh-uh. Watch out for the whales. Uh-huh. The orcas will get you. Mm-hmm. Way more scary than sharks. It's incredibly scary. Also, sharks are scary. Hey, we're not here to scare you on The Breakfast Show. We're here to give you free stuff. But again, starting a quarrel is like breaching a what? 0491-064-669. Okay. We... Have some text messages. We do. Actually, I have a text message first. Okay, you go first. I want to go you first. You go first. You go first. My friend James hit me up. He's like, I'm currently 21 hours into a 27-hour bus ride from Mission Beach to Brisbane. Oh, but we've got... This show is keeping me sane. So, shout out James for sending that good stuff. James also texted me. I want to say real quick. Oh. James, this hurts. Robbed of hearing Lyle's delicate voice this morning. <laughs> but that's Okay. It was replaced by something even more beautiful. Uh, oh, see, I thought it was a dig. Lawson's voice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, James. Uh, hey, uh, we have, is that Brayden on the phone? Yeah, Brayden, what's up? How you going? I just had to, had to call up to correct um, Blake's pronunciation on a, on a few New Zealand names oh, no. yesterday. Uh-huh. Okay, Please. I'm ready. I'm ready for the Subject rebukes. us. All right, so for... for I think you said Wanaka, which was very incorrect for that. It should, should be Wanaka. Wanaka. Uh-huh. Yes. I definitely said Wanaka. <laughs> yes, you did. And there was, there was another one that I've forgotten now, but... You said the... You said oh, like that's, the... That's right. Aotearoa, which is New Zealand, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Did I say it wrong? Aotearoa? Yeah, that one there. Aotearoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, oh, wait. One more time. Aotearoa. Oh, man. Aotearoa. Aotearoa. Okay, I'm ready for that. And what Doesn't that mean like land of the long white cloud or something? I believe so, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, Brayden, thank you for hooking us up, dude. 48 hours, I'll be riding the waves to the land of the long white cloud. <laughs> How do you pronounce it again? Aotearoa. 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 Atiroa. There we go. <laughs> Braden, thank you so much. I'm going to get rebuked a lot in New Zealand. I <laughs> thank, can see this is going to happen. <laughs> dude, thank Thanks, you. Braden. Thank you so much for hooking us up. Hey, let's get back into some text messages. Okay, we've got quite a few here today. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll read that one in just a second here. Um, Rachel texts, I disagree, Lawson. Oh. Flooding Oregon or anywhere with social welfare support doesn't necessarily do anything to reduce drug drinking problems. 
The wealthy have these problems too. The government really can't save us through their programs. Hmm. However, connecting people to church and Christ and the community that loves them and helps them is a much better option. I agree with that, Rachel. Yeah, sure. we, we, we totally agree. Mm-hmm. We weren't just talking about like governmental support. In fact, like, for example, the reason churches don't pay taxes, there's two reasons churches don't pay taxes. The first one is because if they pay taxes, then they can be included in political decisions, which they shouldn't be because church and state should be separate. Secondarily, the reason churches don't pay taxes is because of the expectation from the government to provide free social support. The, gu- the guitar over there in the corner yeah, is, uh, I got a mind of its own <laughs> that, over that, there. That's right. But to provide free social support. When I said, hey, there needs to, there is a need for social support here. It can be from the government. It can be from the church. Someone needs to step up and do something. Cause this is, this is my point. Releasing 45,000, again, drug dealers. So people who were arrested with the, pos- like, for possession with an intent to sell. Releasing 45,000 drug dealers into the public isn't necessarily the best option if there's nothing to go along with it. And so, yeah, absolutely, there is need for support in every sense. So we totally agree, Rachel. <laughs> All right. Uh, Freco says, uh, make drugs legal, and with education in one generation, there would be 95% less drug use and no dealing on the street. Uh, dr- I Drake, your oh Blake, your family sounds like mine. It's not easy being the white sheep. Oh, I'm very much the black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I I zigged when they zagged. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> Karen says it's eyes vold. The e is silent. Ah, uh, yes. there you go. We got another text here. Uh, we hold this truth to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are given by their God inalienable rights, and this hope is an anchor to the soul. Thank you, James, for texting that in as well, too. Patricia says, not good radio, not for air. Keep it light, boys. It's morning. Mm. I kind of agree with you. Sometimes these things are too heavy to hear. Yeah, absolutely. We're um, going to get into an amazing Bible study yeah, after this. And- we're doing a Bible study next, Patricia, so stay tuned mm. for that. Braden also texts, uh, though I was a fan of some of the methods that Matt Walsh used to convey his message, uh, I'm not a fan of some of those methods, uh, blaming the club shooting on that is just wrong, mm-hmm. as is just as bad as other people in the past who have tried to use school shootings for political and personal gains and influence. Totally agree. Yeah, that's just is ridiculous. Like the the focus should be more on praying for healing and helping uh, the victims and their families as well. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, Braden. Uh, totally agree with because that. because we ultimately we've seen shootings come from all sides of the spectrum. True, like black, white, gay, straight. Like any religion, like you can look at the New Zealand shooting where you you can look at a shooting where, you know, say someone, yeah, rushes a a building in the name of Holy Caliphate, whatever it is. And then you look at somewhere like a New Zealand shooting where it's, you know, a white supremacist killing Islamic people. And like all of these acts of violence and terror, like they're just, they're perpetrated by sick individuals. It's who, a sin problem. Who have, yeah, taken whichever uh, ideology to its illogical extreme and decided to kill everyone over it. Like, that, that's, that's, that's what it is to me. There is such wisdom in moderation. Mm-hmm. You know, taking anything to their extreme only causes pain and suffering mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. Whether that's your Christianity, your atheism, your uh, whether it's any religion in the world, any ideology... 
to an extreme. If it's mm-hmm. not done with moderation and wisdom and logic, uh, it can be a very, very unhealthy practice. Yeah. I think that's just, that's the thing. Like, I want to be 100% Christian. Yeah, I don't want to be anything else. I want to be 100% Christian. But what does that actually look like? And you can maybe take an aspect of Christianity and drive it so hard into the ground until it becomes something that's not necessarily Christian. And being fully Christian doesn't mean being imbalanced. Like, mm. you can be 100% Christian and still do so without being ex- an extremist. But, mm. I mean, in reality, when you look at the prophetic narrative in the Bible, which we're going to actually talk about the Bible here in just a little bit, the Bible does warn of a time where people will believe that we are extremists for mm. our beliefs. And the whole world will wander after the beast, mm. right? And um, bow down to the image of the beast and worship the beast. And so we do need to be aware of the fact that at some point, Christians will be viewed as extremists. Uh, that if, unless it's a, a Christian according to the government standard, right? Because we see that already happening in China. They have Christianity, quote unquote, uh, that's legal Christianity, but that's not the biblical Christianity. And unless you adhere to the government commands or demands on that Christian, that style of Christianity, then you're an extremist. You're mm-hmm. an illegal Christian. Mm-hmm. Pretty scary stuff. I mean, it's not. It's gonna happen in the future as well, but it's already happening in China, which I find quite fascinating, but also intimidating as well too do you know like the intimidation of persecution is a very real thing uh, and it will happen someday to christians all around the world you're listening to the breakfast show contact us on 0491-064-669 we are going to dive into our Sabbath school lesson or our 20 million million movement movement Bible study, Mm -hmm. which I love the sound of that even more. Uh, It's kind of cool to think that 20 million people around the world are studying this Bible study with us all Mm. around the world, the 20 million movement Bible study. We we had a great uh, session at church uh, this weekend, actually. It was awesome and really enjoying diving into the word and getting to know uh, what the Bible says about the resurrection, but mm, now we're absolutely. kind of studying uh, difficult passages or contrary passages. We've talked about the rich man and Lazarus for the past two days. Now we're going to talk about the verse in Luke 23, verse 43, about the time when Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now before we get into this, I'd like to have a quick word of prayer. Father in heaven, I just ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment as we study your word. We also pray Lord, that as we spend time in the scriptures, that you would speak to us and to all of our listeners on uh, Faith FM, that they would grow closer to you because of this time in the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Luke 23, verse 43. Uh, can you read it in your version as well, too? I'm just trying to figure it out. <clears throat> I was just reading from the NRSV, but you're reading from the NLT. What does it say? And Jesus replied, I assure you, comma, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Hmm. What does yours say? Mine says, truly, I tell you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And the NKJV says, and Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. Basically, every 
maybe not every, but the majority of translations basically word it this way and giving the impression that on that very day that Christ died, the thief would be together in paradise. I, I want to read the whole story in context. So maybe could you read from uh, 39 to 43, Lawson, just so we have the context of this? In verse 39, the Bible says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And us too, while you're at it. Wow, this is very modernized English. Like, I could, this kind of sounds like school bully language. Like, yeah. save yourself. Or prove it. Prove it while you're at it. You know, that kind of thing. Continues on. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, so this is the context. Jesus is on the cross. There are two uh, criminals between him. Uh, One very arrogant, uh, angry kind of bully, like you said, schoolyard bully vibes. And the other one repentant, wanting to change his ways and turn uh, towards the Lord with his life, even though he's coming to a very end. The translation uh, has been interpreted very commonly as, hey, today you're going to be up in heaven. But is this the best translation of that text? So let's Mm. have a look here. Uh, I want to look at John chapter 20, verse 17. Mm -hmm. Can you have a look at that for us, Lawson? John chapter 20 and verse 17. The Bible says in John 20 and verse 17, Don't cling to me, Jesus said. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So the assumption there is that Christ and the thief went on the same day to paradise, right after, Mm. or or to heaven, right? But this contradicts exactly what we just read. Uh We literally just read that uh, Mary Magdalene, after Jesus' resurrection, is going to go see him, and Jesus saying, hey, no, 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 don't touch me, for I have not ascended to my Father right. who mm-hmm. is in heaven, okay? Then let's go to John 14, verse 1 and 3 as well, too, and we'll talk about both these verses in the context of each other. So John 14, verse 1 and 3, uh, Jesus is uh, there talking to his disciples and trying to uh, connect with them and explain what's about to take place. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to try to do this from memory because i got the NLT in front of me and it's very not what I've memorized. So I know that in the New King James it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, then I would have told you. And now I tell you that I go and prepare a place for you um, and I will come back to you and take you with me that where I am, there you may also be. Very good. The only thing it says, and if I go. Yes. Yeah. So and so he's saying before I go, and mm-hmm. if I go, mm-hmm. then you know that I'm going to come back mm-hmm. for you as well too. Spot on. Good memory. And I, <laughs> I just want to point out to everyone: you can't see this. This dude was looking at the ceiling while. Do you have that written up there? Because <laughs> no. he did a good job. I was impressed with that. Okay. So uh, Lawson over here uh, flexing his uh, memorization <laughs> skills. But yeah, it's if I go, I will come back to you. So the Mm -hmm. error that both Jesus and the repentant uh, thief went to heaven that day also contradicts Jesus' promise uh, to his disciples Mm -hmm. that they would be taken to heaven only at his second coming. So Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to to go, but Mm -hmm. only when I come back, I have to prepare a place for you after I go. Mm -hmm. So we've got two verses here. 
One, Mary Magdalene is talking to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, don't touch me, for I have not gone. And the other one is saying, when I go, I'm going to come back, and that's when you can join me in paradise, mm-hmm. right? What are your thoughts on this? So, ultimately, we have this verse, and Jesus said to him, today, well, it's not in Jesus says to him. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So, let, let's let's think about this. So, in, in most translations, it says, and I say to you, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. But... Whilst we were, you know, discussing and trying to understand this verse, uh, thankfully, because I've been studying Hebrew this semester, I just finished and, you know, getting getting good grades, getting it done. Uh, They gave me Logos for free. And for those who don't know what Logos is, it's a tool that you can use to compare translations and whatnot. But one of the best things that Logos has is a Hebrew Old Testament and a Greek New Testament. And I was like, well... Interlinear, right? Well, there's in, interlinear. This is just a straight up Greek New Testament. Oh wow! So uh, now I don't know how to read Greek. Not but, yet. But that's <laughs> actually my next semester. But what I can do is you come to the Greek New Testament and you hover over each one of the words, and it shows you what those words are and how they're used. And literally, okay. So if I come to verse forty three, the first word, and this is you know in the midst of Jesus speaking, it says and, um to say or to tell. So it says, and tell. And then the next word is he. So I'm telling, telling, like I'm, I'm telling this person. And then the next word, truly like, so, and he said, so he's like, and Jesus said, truly. And then the next word, you, the next word to say, so truly to you, I say today. And then it continues on with, uh, with I, or with myself, uh, in, you know, the place of paradise. So what we see here, like I'm just kind of scanning through and it's each individual word. And then in English, we smooth those over with with grammar. But there is no indication in this text whatsoever. There's no comma here. There's nothing to indicate that this sense- sentence is either one side or the other. Like there's there's nothing to indicate that Jesus is saying, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we can very much swing it the other way, where we can say, truly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise, which makes a huge difference for those listening. Truly, I say to you today, if you have that phrase, that means I'm going to say something to you today. Let me tell you something today. Yeah, that's right. Whereas, truly, I say to you, Mm-hmm. then today you'll be with me in paradise. So then it, it implies that Jesus is saying that we're going to paradise today. But when you break it down in the Greek, there is nothing in the grammar to infer that Jesus is saying today you'll be with me in paradise. And as we've already established by looking at this weight of evidence, looking at the rest of the text that would contradict the assumption that Jesus is immediately going to take him to paradise and the weight of that. And then we just come back to the Greek and we see, oh, well, there's no indication either way. So we then have to assume, based on the evidence that we already have, that Jesus is saying, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And particularly because we've already established from the Bible, under the weight of massive evidence, that we go to heaven in body. Mm -hmm. And what we don't see is Jesus going to heaven and ascending in body on that day. Neither do we see the thief either. It's a really interesting point, and I want to dive into the significance of a comma 
an analysis of Luke 23:43 uh, when we come back. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're going to dive deeper into what is the significance of a comma right mm-hmm. after these quiz questions. Fill in One the question. blank. Blank from all appearance of evil. Is this just simply that? 0491-064-669. You can win 101 Secrets to a Healthy Life and the Revive Cafe Cookbook number. Is it volume? Would you say volume? Yeah, volume 7. We'll give it to you absolutely for free. You just need to win the draw to win the draw. You just need to answer these prize, uh, these questions correctly to win the prize. Fill in the blank. Blank from all appearance of evil. 0491-064-669. We come back to the issue here in Luke 23, verse 43. And it's really about the adverb today. We talked about that. The Greek word, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but it's semaror. Semaror, I think. Semaror. <laughs> Should be linked to the verb that follows it to be or to the verb that precedes it to tell. So Wilson Peroshi, she, uh, he recognizes that from the grammatical standpoint, and this is what you were saying, Lawson, it is virtually impossible to determine the correct alternative. Mm-hmm. Luke, however, has a definite tendency of using this adverb with the preceding verb. It actually happens 14 of the 20 occurrences of Cimarron in Luke and Acts. So, with that being said, Luke uses this adverb, the the Greek Cimarron, mm-hmm. right, 20 times. Mm-hmm. 14 of those times, truly I tell you today, uh, you will be with me in paradise. In this case, the idiomatic expression, I tell you today, emphasizes the relevance and solemnity of the statement, you will be with me in paradise. So 14 of the 20 other occurrences in Luke's writing, it is the way of exactly what you had said before. Truly, I tell you today, comma, he's, he's exclaiming something to him at that time. And that's how he uses it 14 other times yeah. of the 20 that he does. So yeah, weight of evidence, baby. Yeah. So if you're, you know, just playing the numbers, just playing the numbers here, uh, that's one way to look at it as well, too. But also we need to look at the big picture. And we need to look at other scriptures as well, too. You want to be very careful with contrary passages to not get lost in the significance of one mention of one scripture. Like to to basically create a doctrinal belief so off true. of one scripture it's a it's a fallacy, and also out of context. So the Bible actually does say, uh, we talked about this on Sabbath afternoon when we're doing the a Sabbath school a training. The Bible literally says that there is no God. The Bible says this, like there is no God, for sure. But in the context, it says, only the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Mm. So yeah, the Bible says there's no God, but only the fool says in his heart that there is no God. And so out of context, when we have uh, a, a doctrinal question or we're trying to figure stuff out, if we don't look at the context of yeah, that, that text, we're going to lose the whole meaning altogether. And there's so much. There's, there's so much you could look at that through the lens. You know, we are focusing particularly here uh, in this Bible study on the topic of death, and that's what we've been focusing on over the last weeks. Uh, But yeah, you could apply this to so many other doctrines that people hold because one text indicates something that 
might seem contrary to the weight of evidence. But again, if we look at these things, you know, through the lens of the weight of evidence and also, you know, through the lens of the context of the passage, we can actually come to a correct conclusion rather than making a doctrine out of nothing. And there's so much you could apply that to. For example, that personally, one thing that I see a lot of people like the, the doctrine of tongues, you know, they read, I believe it's first Corinthians 14 and verse two. When we speak in tongues, we speak not to men, but to angels. Mm-hmm. And from that verse alone, like, oh, and then following that, it says, and our, our understanding isn't profitable, um, but our spirit is profitable. From those two verses alone, in a whole passage about tongues, they're like, oh, obviously then, tongues is a secret language of angels that no one understands, that you speak to angels so that you can be more holy. And it's like the sealing, sanctifying gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the conclusion that people come to, even though the rest of the Bible, the context is, what is tongues? Oh, tongues is speak, God giving you the ability to speak another language, to share the gospel to people who don't speak your language. It's an evangelistic tool that God gives us. But then, for some reason, from those two verses, people have created a whole doctrine that is so pervasive within Christianity. And I, I just give that as an example because we see it in that area. We see it in so many areas. And here, uh, within the topic of death, just in this one verse, the change of a comma, again, to infer within one little passage, people have created a whole doctrine from this. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. It's a little bit wild. I love I love it when you tell stories, actually. Okay, so this happened, Solomon Islands, 2011. I almost got eaten. And I know that sounds weird, but I did. Uh, Kyle Morrison saved my life. Love that man. That is awesome. Um, I almost got eaten by people who eat people, mm-hmm. and he saved me from them. But <clears throat> that's another story for another time. Mm-hmm. Before almost being eaten, and if you want to hear that story, text us at 491 I just need a text, and then I'll tell the story of the time I almost got eaten by cannibals. Mm -hmm. True story. But also on Solomon Islands, we're up there. We're doing an an event. We're there for 21 days. And one of the things that we went to, we went to this village called Hyperia. We landed. We actually took a helicopter in. We landed. We were there to work. Uh, but no one spoke English, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, They didn't even really speak pidgin. They had their own language called koyo. Now, koyo... It, it literally means to kill you. So koyo means, like, the language is, like, to kill you, right? Mm. So I met uh, this one person. There was two people there uh, who kind of spoke English a little bit, and one of them was Nancy and then her friend, and I forget her friend's name. Nancy, we go up to the schoolhouse. I spend about three and a half hours with her and her friend, and they're right, like I'm writing down in my notebook, like, different things uh, in this koyo language so I can communicate with people. Anyway, mm-hmm. next day, Nancy's gone. Mm-hmm. So I only saw her the one time. I go to her friend and I ask her, like, hey, where's Nancy? And then she's like, who's Nancy? And I was like, uh, the girl that we were talking at the schoolhouse, she's like, I don't know a Nancy. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So it's just like this weird, like, okay, I don't know how to. And maybe it was like a language barrier. I was like, okay, we're not understanding each other. Anyway. We have these evangelistic events where we had the people come, like we're working all day with them. We're building a health clinic. Uh, at night, we're doing Bible studies with these people. And a lot of these guys have been smoking weed and like doing beetle nut. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's called bua. It's pretty wild. It's like a crazy drug. Uh, and I was just saying, hey, you guys got to stop doing that. You got to give your life to Jesus, right? Uh, while we're working. So they come to the Bible studies. Anyway, long story short, I'm doing the Bible studies every day in 
English like I'm talking to you mm. right now. And mm. the other, there were seven of us, and all the people who came with us were listening. They were here. They they were not be they were not able to understand what I was saying. Mm. And all the other people who were there in the local village, they were like understanding everything I was saying. And I'm talking. I know that I'm speaking English. Mm. I'm saying English things right now, just like this. Mm. But the people who came with us on the mission trip, they're like, man, you're just fluent in Koyo. How can you speak that? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm talking in English. And they're like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. And we kind of argued about it for a little bit. But anyway, the people who were there, they ended up, there was 15 people actually who ended up saying, we want to follow Jesus. We want to get baptized. We want to, uh, we choose to follow God instead of following, you know, uh, we don't want to smoke weed anymore. We don't want to do uh, the drugs anymore. So anyway, it was crazy. I, I'm speaking English. Well, I think I am. Mm-hmm. But the people who came with us were like, we can't understand you, but they can. Wow. And the people who were there were like, thank you so much for telling us about Jesus. Anyway, the last day we're there, we get up at like 430 in the morning. We have to walk 30 kilometers out. And Oof. this is where the cannibals come in. We don't have time for those. Yeah. But guess who I see up on the ridge? Nancy. Nancy. I uh-huh. saw her and I waved at her and she waved at me and I was like, I think Nancy was an angel. <laughs> and we uh, then went for a hike and I fell down a cliff and lost my wedding ring uh, into the river and also one shoe. So that was another part of the story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but maybe we'll tell the cannibal story another time if they mm-hmm. text us. Oh four nine one oh six four six six nine. But that was my crazy experience with tongues, and yeah. I, I do think it's real, and I do think it can happen, and I think that the spirit wow. leads in mysterious ways. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Blake, yeah, and Lawson, the founder of the Faith FM Running Club, which I'm setting up right now and getting everyone involved in now. Solo membership. We're nice. going to have question of the day. But before we get in to the question of the day, we are going to have some answers to the quiz. Uh, firstly, according to Hebrews chapter 12, what are we receiving that cannot be shaken? A kingdom. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. In 1 Corinthians, the last Adam is referring to Christ the Lord, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, what prompted David to dance before the Lord? The Ark of the Covenant had been returned. Amen. So what, what was the clues you gave? Is angry wife. No, shirt off angry wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Uh, <laughs> starting a quarrel is like breaching, not a whale, uh, or not like a breaching whale, but starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So if you start a, an argument with someone, you breach the dam, and then all the water, all the argument just floods out. It's like, <sighs> Anyways, and finally, fill in the blank, abstain from all appearance of evil. If you got those questions correct, congratulations. Good job to you. But right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right, I got a question of the day for you this morning, Blake. Why did the Church of England persecute the Pilgrim Fathers? Mm. Great question. It's more complicated than just the Church of England. There was religious persecution happening all throughout Europe. Uh, The Church of England was, in a weird way, a form of Protestantism, but it was not as Protestant as many other Protestants were. At the time, uh, Papists, which were basically people who were friendly to the papacy or to Catholicism, uh, and the Church of England were kind of on the same page in many ways. And so Christianity was allowed in England and throughout Europe as long as you conformed to the teachings 
of the Church of England, or and not just it wasn't just England; it was the Netherlands as well too. And and pilgrims came from all part from France, from Spain. Mm-hmm. No, there were pilgrims from all over the place. But what, mm-hmm. I think what he's talking about is Thanksgiving. And the, these first pilgrims in Massachusetts, and, and they weren't even the first of the first either. They were first of many mm. uh, pilgrims, but they came over uh, because essentially the Church of England had come to a place where, like, hey, you guys can be Christian, uh, but you just got to do it in the way that we say that is Christian, which is honestly what's happening in China right now. Mm. Yeah, you're allowed to be a Christian in China as long as you are what's it called the three party church or something of of China mm. like yeah you can be a christian only if you adhere to this style of christianity however the pilgrims were saying no we actually value uh freedom of conscience freedom of speech uh freedom of uh religion and the liberty to choose how we want to live our lives and run our society now interestingly enough the the pilgrims weren't just like as you know i would say not friendly i guess uh, or or as welcoming to all religions at the time america uh was not based completely on that level of tolerance but they were basically saying this is our version of christianity that we want to have the freedom to worship in this way and they created societies that uh would look and reflect that style of christianity and anyone who didn't adhere to that they weren't very friendly or kind to as well too so it was it's just kind of an us and them thing throughout Mm. throughout history but when the pilgrims came they wanted the freedom to worship god in the way that they saw the scriptures teaching them to do so and the church of england was like nope you got to do it according to the the clergy of the church of england and to the uh church rhetoric that we have put forth and so the reason they came to escape uh, religious persecutions because people were being put in jail and imprisoned and even put to death and burned at the stake. Mm. I mean, that is bad. Bad news uh, for anybody with the threat of getting burnt to death at the stake. And so they came to the it was the colonies at the time to escape that persecution so they could have the freedom to do uh, to worship the worship their creator in the way that the dictates of their heart showed them through the scriptures. So hopefully that answers the question. I'm not sure if it completely does, but I hope, who is that by? Was that by John? John. Yeah, John, I hope that helps uh, you to understand what was actually going on at the time of that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But Thomas texts us and says, unofficially now recognized by Bible, Bible scholars as fake FM. Mm-hmm. Painful stuff, Thomas. Painful mm-hmm. stuff. I'm wondering who the Bible scholar is. Well, I was just thinking, we actually were reading from a Bible scholar yeah. about the comma and the 14 out of the yeah. 20 occurrences. But I think you sent that text message before the Bible study. Oh, painful. So, is this, I guess, just everything that we say. We, fake oh. FM. Fake FM. Oh. Live on 87.6. That's deep. But again, my question <laughs> still remains. Who's the Bible scholar who recognizes us as fake fm fake fm i don't know thomas some clarification possibly please uh biblical christianity is being like christ and look mm. what they did to him they crucified him Raphael text powerful mm. stuff and he's got two little angry purple faces with a broken heart oh i feel that mm. uh we got another text here we seem to compare a comma in the wrong place against the word of jesus so 
when he says, I have not gone to my father to marry the next day. It just doesn't make sense. It just, it just doesn't. It, but this is the point, is that we need to be able as Bible students to give an answer to every text. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to see it in the context. That's right. Mm. Uh, another one. Good well, morning. Well, we totally agree, by the way. Yeah. Fantastic verse. That was good. Wayne uh, texts us. This is a good one. This is a long one. It's a good one. This, this is all one text. Good morning. Blessings. Tried to give my understanding. I believe Jesus actually ascended to heaven to reunite with the Father and then came back down to attend the disciples. And then he ascended to the Father to take up the throne on the right-hand side of the Father. And I reckon the thief on the cross could have also ascended to heaven on that first ascension, as it says in Spirit of Prophecy from E.G. White, says that he ascended to heaven after his crucifixion. He rose from the dead, ascended up to his Father, and received all power and authority and returned to the earth again to impart it to his disciples. So this says Jesus did go to heaven that day and came back, or did he not take up the throne on the right side of the Father? So is it possible the thief did go to heaven that day? And what difference goes and what difference does it make whether he went to heaven or he didn't go to heaven? If Jesus says something that happens just as Moses went to heaven, Elijah went to heaven, Enoch went to heaven, Jesus says you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven. So I see what uh I see what Wayne is saying here is like, mm. well maybe he did go to heaven that day. Uh my only my only pause on that would be we need to understand the implications of what that means moving forward because that verse has been taken out of the context that, therefore, if the thief has gone to heaven, then everyone goes to heaven when they die. And that's really the main issue as well, too. And let, But let's just say, quickly, if the thief had gone to heaven when he died, what is absolutely crystal clear is that he would have went to heaven in the same way as Jesus did. Fully. In body. Yes. So that's another really good point as well, too. And then Braden, Texas, finally, I'd like to hear the story, Blake, about the cannibals. Cannibal FM. Oh, no, that's terrible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please forgive me. I am sorry, everyone. I got, I got caught up in fake FM. Quick shell hit the dump button. <laughs> mute me. Mute me. It's getting too late in the day. Well, so to confirm, Faith, Faith FM. FM, you're listening to Faith FM Live Where we talk faith, we live faith, we act faith to help you grow strong in Jesus Christ. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.